We're building this city one day at a time. Welcome to Grow Lincoln, the program with Lincoln's future in mind. Your hosts are former Lincoln City Councilwoman Robin Eshelman and Dave Albers, two experts in the field of commercial real estate and business development. Now, it's time to Grow Lincoln on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Many of our listeners see construction projects around Lincoln. They message us on Facebook or Twitter, ask what's going on. So we research those and we announce what they are on the show. And you'll hear that in the very last segment. And this segment is possible today because of Lincoln Electric System, the Nebraska Grain Sorghum Board, and Sarter Heyman Jewelry. Coming up in the show... Did the National High School Finals Rodeo that was held this past summer at the Lancaster Event Center pay for itself? We'll ask the University Bureau of Business Research about this. And we'll also talk to a group of Lincolnites who just got back from a trade mission to Jordan and the United Arab Emirates. Interest rates with Roger Frank. Renewable energy credits for your home or business. These are all uh, issues we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Well, let's let's start with this high school finals rodeo look back. Um, we've got Dr. Eric Thompson in the studio, and usually he gives us leading economic indicators, and we're going to do that, but we're also going to ask about this. How are you doing today? Quite well, thank you. Well, good. Well, which one do you want to start with? Uh been talking about the rodeo, so let's talk about Should we the rodeo. Start, talk about that let's first? Let's talk rodeo. Okay. <laughs> well, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. What did you find out? Okay, if for everyone, this was a huge event that came to Lincoln. Um, you know, at points nearly toppled over by COVID, but they moved forward with it and all of that. Um, so what, how did this work? The Lancaster Event Center hired you to see... Yes, uh, well, as well as the... Uh, the National High School Rodeo Association. Oh, so they contracted this, with... Yeah, this is a report that's done every year when this event is held. Oh, in, okay. In different parts of the country. So I... Oh, I was, so I was because the one it moves that, around. Yes. And so I was the one that did it for Lincoln. And, you know, we we work on these reports quite a bit and thought about them very carefully. So I hope I hope we did a good report for Lincoln and also, um, it, you know, since we're a university, hope we advance the methodology for conducting such reports. And, and, well. and yeah. this doesn't just measure, you know, how many tourists came and paid an entry fee. It measures the impact of the community. Did mm-hmm. they eat in the local restaurants? And that sort of thing. Yes, and we, we did extensive surveys of the families that came with the contestants, which we call participants, families. And uh, there were a lot of relatives that came as well. Sure. Um, you know, if I ever had a niece or a nephew that was in a national competition, I'd probably want to go see them. And there sure were lots of people that came to Lincoln, uh, even if they didn't have their own child in it, because of relatives and so forth. So between that, um, all the vendors that were in town, all of the uh, officials, this big national organization, it had quite an impact. And it was, uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit of like the College World Series or even the Omaha Zoo in the extent that it just attracted so many people from out of state. You know, we have so many great events in Nebraska, and a lot of them are attended by a lot of Nebraskans, and that's wonderful because it improves our quality of life. But this was a different kind of thing where it was bringing in people all from all over the country. And we have a more limited number of events like that in our state. And I think it was uh, nice. I think it was a show, give us a chance to show off our state, 
and it did bring in a lot of money for hotel, you know, over the course of a week and a half. Hotels, restaurants, retail stores, and so forth. So what sort of number did you come up with? Uh, well, there was almost a 17, just in that 10-day period, a $17 million impact for our uh, county economy here huh. in Lancaster County. Lancaster County. County. $17 million. Yep. And, wow. uh, you know, uh, almost $6, uh, $6 million in labor, you know, income earned by workers in our area. And, you know, jobs is kind of funny because it was only 10 days. But the, the income that was earned is the equivalent of 168 full-year jobs. You know, Dave, wow. last week on Jack and Friends, we were talking about how sales tax goes up, and we were re relating that into certain numbers per year. Right. You know, it's what, seven, eight million? And, and to have 17 million, no, it's not sales tax, but revenue. Yeah. In 10 days. But there is sales tax with a lot of those. And there is sales tax yeah. on that. Yeah. And uh, and some hotel tax and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and we we tried to estimate that as well, and we got about a million and a half dollars. Okay, in ten uh, days. Yeah, now that's some of that is state revenue as well, uh -huh. state or local. Yeah. Okay, but still, you know, when you look at a typical year and like <laughs> how much sales tax you get in a year, I mean, this is pretty. This is a nice little shot. Well, and on top of things, what I really like about it is we brought money in from out of town. Right, it's it's coming from another state into not just another yeah. county in the yeah. Lancaster, it's coming from another state. And that was kind of the fun part of doing the study, because you know I was out there surveying on site a little bit, and you'd see people. From, I met I met some people from Hawaii, you know, cowboys from Hawaii who yeah. were here, California and Massachusetts, all over the country, and so many from Texas. So many people from Texas. So it was really interesting. Uh, well, yeah. Who thought we would yeah. be attracting people from Texas? That's pretty well, cool. <laughs> there's a there's a significant cattle uh, industry oh, course, in yeah. Hawaii, and uh, yes, there the, is. There's a historic ranch there called the Parker Ranch that I'm familiar people with. On the, on the Big Island, right? Yeah. yeah. People don't realize Hawaii's big into this. Um, the economy. Yes. You have been taking surveys. They probably don't reflect anything that's happened in the Recently, last no, week, no. but up until, you'll go ahead and tell us your predictions that you have for the next six months from businesses around Nebraska. What what time period do these surveys cover? Uh, the January. So uh, in, January, in January, you surveyed businesses and said, what's your six-month outlook? Absolutely. Plus we got, so they were very optimistic. So, okay. uh, well, not as optimistic as they were, say, six months ago, but they maintained, remained optimistic. So it's been a sort of slow and steady optimism, despite all the challenges with labor and supply chain and prices and stuff that they have to buy going up. The demand is still so solid that they're, they're able they're, to... They're, they're still optimistic. Yeah. And these sectors that you surveyed it included residential... Well, construction in general, mm -hmm. I guess, and airlines and oh, any, export any sort imports, of business, yeah. And, yeah. a lot of ag people answer, ah, and then right. and then we also gather some data on things because it, 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 there's such current data on things like building permits, yes, right? airline employments, the fancy way to say passengers, and all that. That's a couple that we really track with. Yeah, yeah. That you know that one was hurt a little bit in January just because the COVID had flared up. But, sure, but. Uh, other, uh, other than that, remains pretty solid. Um, uh, we, we continue to have even less unemployment claims. Really? Uh, and I know that's a two-edged sword, but it does show that labor, the workers, 
working people feel pretty good about right. things right now, at least. They can be employed if they want to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, inflation's a problem. But uh, And uh, also, the value of the dollar actually went down. And I think that's reversing again this month. But, you know, uh, we don't want the dollar to get too high because that's kind of tough on our exporters. So right. that's something to keep an eye on. But kind of slow and steady progress. Well, good, good. Well, thanks a lot for coming in to share with us the, the good things that are going on in our community. This is all really neat stuff to hear. Thanks again. We always appreciate having you in. I appreciate the opportunity. Coming up next, Nate Bloom will be in. He's been selling sort of in Dubai. I mean, who does this? Like, I don't know anybody that just went to Dubai and sold sorghum, Dave. Well, you do now. I guess we do. We're going to meet him. We'll be right back. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back to Grow Lincoln with Robin Eshelman and Dave Albers. This segment is possible today because of Charter Title, Remax Concepts, and Lincoln Electric System. A group of Lincoln representatives traveled to the Mideast, to Jordan, and the United Arab Emirates. Um, Nate Bloom is here to talk to us about selling sorghum in Dubai. How are you doing, Nate? Well, I'm doing great, Robin and Dave. Thanks so much for having me. And you know, the first thing I tell the first thing I tell people when they say, "Oh, you're going to sell sorghum," I say, "No, no, no. I don't travel anywhere to sell anything. I travel to build relationships and find ways where yeah. we can uh, mutually benefit through collaboration." And that's exactly what we did on this trip. Well, good, good. Um, it was an expo and a trade mission. So tell us where, where you went again, what countries? Well, let's start with the, the, the Gulf Food Expo, right? So the Gulf Food Show is the largest uh, food show in the, Middle East, in the Middle East, in the region. Wow. One of the largest in the entire world. Happens every year in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. Wow. Um, it's a phenomenal opportunity to get in front of people, uh, not only to showcase uh, Nebraska and U.S. Uh, products, um, but also to knock out a bunch of meetings you wouldn't get otherwise. I saw 12 meetings in one day. So what happens is when you register, if people see that you've registered, they can request meetings. Oh. And so we had meetings with uh, counterparts and uh, industry uh, professionals from around the world uh, within the span of just a few hours. It was wonderful. Uh, great opportunity. Huh. Uh, so our delegation was from Nebraska, but a very diverse delegation, actually, uh, though everyone is Nebraskan. Um, we actually had folks from eight different countries in origin on this trip. So it was a really great way to showcase the diversity that we have in our state um, to, uh, to a region of the world that knows as little about us maybe as we know about them sometimes. Uh, but yeah, both UAE and Jordan, wonderful, wonderful places, a lot of great opportunities, a lot of great outcomes that we're still working through. Um, such a privilege and a pleasure uh, and an honor to represent Nebraska sorghum growers in that space. Well, while you were there, you learned a, a little bit about water supply and water sustainability issues. Why don't you give us some of your thoughts on it, that? It is the desert, so I guess we're no. not surprised. No, not really. Right, and, you sh and we shouldn't be surprised. And, and the first thing I'd like to say is, uh, you know, kudos to the Emirati government and the Jordanian government. They've both made uh, water security, uh, water efficiency, food security. These are top priorities of the governments over there. Um, let's talk about Jordan just for a moment. So Jordan, uh, by the way, uh, is one of the least resource-rich countries in the region, maybe in the world. Um, but in the last 10 years, they've doubled their national population through uh, Syrian, uh, Iraqi, and um, Palestinian refugees. At the same time, their annual rainfall has decreased to about 60% in the last three years. The Dead Sea, we always hear about the Dead Sea shrinking. I actually went and visited the Dead Sea to actually see it is something. It's in the last five years, it's dropped 50 feet 
They're drilling wells mm. in Jordan 4,000 feet deep. And that's not an error. That's a true number, 4,000 feet deep. So there's a tremendous um, interest in the region uh, to resource, uh, use resources more efficiently, uh, to work with Nebraska. In fact, Jordan may be sending a delegation here uh, to work with uh, some of our folks with academia and uh, UNL Extension and other farmers and things like that to learn best practices for water usage, et cetera, and resource management. Um, you know, we could talk about climate change all day. Uh, and here in the U.S., we're so blessed that, you know, it's almost academic exercise at times. Um, but in that region, I mean, they're seeing it every day. And we can debate what those causes might be, but the reality is that it is happening. And the sorghum, as you, I think you pointed this out on your Facebook page, it's a low rainfall type crop. Yeah, yeah. And that's partly why they are interested in that's that's part of the reason. There's a few different reasons why sorghum makes sense in the region. Um, and again, let's start with Jordan, and then we can talk about the UAE for a moment. Um, in in the Arab world in general, uh, there's actually kind of a uh, uh, an endemic of uh, obesity and diabetes, and this is because huh. of the heavy reliance on rice in the Arab diet. Sorghum is not necessarily a staple or native to the Arab diet itself, um, but the crops that they're growing over there are very water intensive compared to sorghum, which uses half of the water. Right. So to develop markets and maybe replace some of the rice in the diet, you can increase human health at the same time as you decrease water inputs. Oh, interesting. In the Arab Emirates, uh, so again, in the Arab world, sorghum is not a staple. However, in Dubai alone, 60% of the population is from India or Southwest Asia. Another 10%, at least, is from East Africa. Now, those are places where sorghum is a staple in the diet, and those smallholder farmers do grow sorghum. Um, but, tremendous market opportunity, because those uh, those uh, immigrants can't uh, get any sorghum products in the UAE right now, because they just don't exist in the market. Um, what's, what's neat about this concept is because uh, UAE is only about three hours from East Africa, as well as three hours from uh, India, right? These are countries where you have a lot of smallholder farmers growing sorghum, but they don't have access to high-value markets. And so if we can create a market that feeds the demand in Dubai, for example, uh, that meets the demands of expatriates from those regions, uh, you could potentially create access to a high-value market for those smallholder farmers in regions of the globe that desperately need economic development. And in so doing, this also can create a further market for Nebraska and U.S. sorghum. Uh, because there's a large demand over there, there can be. Uh, so there's there's a lot of reasons why this made sense. We had such great uh, visits with um, with traders, with government officials uh, in each country. The hospitality of each country uh, was was amazing. And one thing that was surprising to me was when folks when we talked to folks about maybe visiting Nebraska at times, uh, they expressed maybe as much trepidation about the Midwest and the U.S as we sometimes do about the Mideast. <laughs> is that right? They're afraid of us? It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And then what that, what that tells you is that there's opportunities to bridge uh, divide, maybe, yeah. and build dialogues that can bring us closer together. Um, and, uh, you know, what that can mean for international relations in such a uh, pivotal region of the world uh, is, is huge. It's bigger than sort. As a real estate agent, um, the picture you took of Dubai, of I want to say this right, um, Burj Talafa? Or Burj Khalifa. Khalifa, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have seen pictures of that tower so many times, and it's the, tall the tallest office building in the world. Correct, tallest yeah. freestanding structure in the world. And you said they charge a lot of money 
But you went on the top. How much did they charge you in American dollars to go uh, to the top? Of- roughly American dollars. It was two hundred dollars to go to the top. <gasps> Holy! Two hundred bucks for an you, elevator ride? How? Well, technically, it's two elevator rides. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so yeah, let's break it down. Just a hundred a piece. Yeah, right. only a hundred. But how piece. do you how do you go to a place like that and, and not, not go do it? Right. Um, you know, but here's here's the thing. So we're talking about sustainability in water, right? For example, so. You have to understand, the, the Emirates, uh, the country's only 50 years old, right? Okay. Um, and all of that growth has happened really in the last 30 years. So to see pictures from when they constructed the Burj Khalifa to where it is now in the entire region, there was nothing there 30 years ago. So long-term sustainability for a region that's had such growth is going to be really, really important. How are they going to get uh, uh, Yeah, interesting well, stuff. Very interesting stuff, Nate. Thank you. Nate, how do we find your pictures on Facebook? You've got to see these pictures, people. Well, you're welcome to find my personal Facebook page. That's where most of the photos are. Again, my name is Nate Bloom. Last name is B-L-U-M. Yeah. On Facebook. Also, uh, on the Nebraska Sorghum Facebook and Instagram and and uh, Twitter pages, and my, as well as my own personal LinkedIn um, you can see all that there and stay up to date with what's uh, what we're doing in Nebraska Sorghum. We're actually working on a full report now that will be published uh, hopefully by the end of the day today. Thanks so, so much, thanks. Nate. This is just really fascinating. After our break, Roger Frank will be in, and then we'll have a drinking through the pandemic update. Everyone is excited about new business, and our business is to tell you what's new. This is Grow Lincoln on 1499.3 KLIN. Robin Eshelman of Eshelman Commercial Real Estate with you this segment. And Dave Albers of Albers Company. This segment is possible today because of Christensen Hearing Analytics, Lincoln Airport Authority, and Service Master Professional Building Maintenance. Roger Frank from Frank Financial Concepts is in here to talk to us about this too hot economy that we have had for probably a couple of years. How are you doing, Roger? I'm doing pretty good. How about you two? Uh, we're doing well. Doing well. Well, you know, we discussed briefly last week on the show about upcoming interest rate increases. Uh, Federal Reserve has said they will begin a rate increase cycle. The question is no longer when will interest rates go up. It's more like how many times is it going to go up? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we did uh, briefly talk about that last week. And, uh, you know, they're talking anywhere from three to seven uh, rate hikes. Um, at least that's the estimate. That's some of the economists that I've been reading. They're all kind of saying in that ballpark. Man, if they go up seven times, that's not the stuff that uh, people in the real estate industry want to hear. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if you're uh, looking to buy something, you should probably buy it now versus waiting. Uh, and we only have, what, nine months left in the year. That means like every month we're going to get that's one. That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, let's let's take a little deeper dive into the history of uh, these rate, uh, rate hikes. Um, you know, when the economy grows, uh, corporate profits tend to rise too, which can be good for stocks, and we've seen that in the last three years. If corporate profits rise, the companies can put money into their businesses so they can produce products and services and certainly build their businesses. They can also pay their employees more and give more benefits to them, and I, I certainly think that we all want that. Yeah. However, certainly. you're probably not necessarily saying that the stock market goes up every time rate increases go up. Yeah, not necessarily. Uh, you know, there's been 12 rate hike cycles in the last 60 years. Uh, stocks have advanced in 10 of them in 1972 through 74, and 99 through 2001 were the exceptions. During the rate hike cycles, when the market rose, the average annual gain for stocks was about 9%. So it actually did pretty good. 
So when the price of money goes up, stocks can still potentially go up as well. In fact, across the longest of these 12 rate hikes was 2008 through 2019, the Standard & Poor's 500 rose 243%, and the NASDAQ Composited added about 442% wow. during that time. Yeah, it's, it just goes to show you, you got to be in it. Crazy numbers. Yeah. So when interest rates are cut, there's a kind of a dovish monetary policy. Then what happens? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, rate cuts uh, and dovish monetary policies doesn't necessarily coincide with rallies. All kinds of factors impact the markets, as we've talked on the show from time to time. You know, not just interest rate decisions, uh, you know, it could be earnings, guidance, breaking news, geopolitical uh, matters, which is what we're going through right now with right. Ukraine and, and Russia. Uh, they can all affect day-to-day -day investment performance. Uh, in, in fact, investors uh, are certainly anxious right now about the tightening, but if the rate hikes seem gradual and sensibly timed, their anxieties may be eased. Um, as 2022 continues to unfold, some of the market, uh, I guess some of the market pessimism linked to the possible rate hikes may be countered by news of moderating inflation and better than expected earnings. So let's hope for the best uh, for the rest of 2022 as these rate hikes uh, begin. And yeah. the inflation has been disconcerting. And yeah. it, it, it is troublesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a problem. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Roger Frank is a registered representative of and securities offered through Berthel Fisher and Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through BFC Planning, Inc. Frank Financial Concepts, BFCFS, and BFC Planning, Inc. are independent entities. Glad you joined us, Roger. Thanks for that update. For having me. In our Drinking Through the Pandemic update, Dave, um, the Omaha Exposition and Racing is being replaced by the Nebraska Horsemen's Benevolent Association. And where I'm going with all of this, this has to do with <laughs> the Lincoln Race Course. Right, which <laughs> is applying. Something is happening over there. Applying for a CK liquor license, catering. They're going to be getting into catering. I have a feeling they're expecting a hotel to come. What do you think? Oh, gee, Robin, Could they be maybe thinking a hotel might maybe. come to Maybe, perhaps. <laughs> well, also, uh, La Habana Social Club at uh, 3223 Cornhuskers applying for a liquor license in the basement of that single-story building. Yes, and we um, increasingly see more weddings and receptions in social halls, and there are never enough in Lincoln. So mm -hmm. here comes another one uh, up at the 32nd Cornhusker area. Coming up next, renewable energy credits. We're going to talk about some things you can get if you're kind of interested in solar and wind and that. But LES, like an electric system, is up. Economic development is not boring. It's our future. It's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Ever since 2011, Grow Lincoln has been the economic development show that tracks businesses opening, closing, and moving around Lincoln, including breaking news about new restaurants on Facebook and Twitter. And this segment is possible today because of John Henry's Plumbing, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and Baylor Evnen Law Firm. Lincoln Electric System has things that are uh, everything from renewable energy credits to information about solar. In January, they reported that 43% of the energy that was sold to them in the wholesale market was generated by renewables, like wind and solar. 
So they've set this goal to generate electricity with net zero carbon emissions by 2020. Um, we've got Mark Skolnick in from Lincoln Electric to talk to us about that. What advice do you have for us, Mark, if we're interested in learning more about this? Well, sure, and I want to point out that we're, we're actually trying to achieve that target by 2040 because uh, we we currently have uh, we currently have oh, quite yeah. a bit. Of, yeah, I, that was. I'm just, sorry. That was just a typo in information yeah. I provided you in advance. But actually, we're, we're we're striving to get to net zero in our carbon emissions from generation by 2040. But we currently have quite a bit of wind that's generating that we sell into the market. And as you pointed out last year, 43% came from renewable energy that we sold into the wholesale market. But, you know, for customers that are interested in becoming more sustainable, I always say the first place to start is energy efficiency because the cheapest kilowatt hour is the one you don't have to purchase, right? And so either through behavior changes or investing in advanced technologies mm -hmm. that allow you to um, get the same or more energy output with less energy input. And there's apps on your phone now. Correct. All, you know, Correct. Yeah, thermostatic the light, the controls. The light bulbs are better. The LEDs are a <laughs> lot better. That's a perfect example of a technology yeah. that is advanced very quickly. So that's really a good place to start is to just to reduce the amount of energy that you need to operate your business or your home. And then, if you're wanting to go beyond that, that's when you look at the renewables. Well, um, let's let's talk about someone who's interested in solar. Like, maybe I might, you know, the advances are pretty good. It's it's better than it used to be, less expensive than it used to be. Mm -hmm. I might want to check into this. If you don't know a lot about it, where do you start? You start with contacting LES because a lot of people think, well, I'd like to. I'd like to involved. try this. I'd like to try this. I'd like to, to well, but where do you begin? Right. Because um, a lot of people don't understand maybe how this all works. Uh, who, who do you approach to install that type of system? Right. What kind of economics are involved? Start with LES. Call us because what we will tell you is how the process works. We can give you an idea about how much energy you can expect depending on the size of the system. And then we actually have a list of contractors that are part of our solar trade ally network, and essentially they're participants that they're going to provide good, accurate information so the customer can make an informed decision based on facts, which is really important. Um, so, there's, and there's things about your house that may or may not work. That will, or your thank business. you for bringing or, that or up. Or your business. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because, first of all, you have to think about where does the sun shine in the sky, right? If you're going to harvest <laughs> the energy from the sun, you want to make sure that the solar is facing to the south. Uh, and capture the sun throughout the year. You certainly don't want it facing north. You're not going to get any direct sunlight. And some people have this, uh, the panels facing east or west, and they can capture some sun. They're just not going to maximize the amount of production. So if your business or your home has southerly facing um, uh, exposure, unshaded, unshaded, right. then that's probably a good start. Now, you also want to make sure that the roof is capable of handling that amount of, of weight as well. So that's something to look into, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, for customers who wish to have solar installed, you have a process yes. to connect a grid. That That is a part of this. Correct. Talk a little bit about that. Net, that's called net metering. Uh, and so customers essentially would um, hire somebody to install solar. Uh, and then, and, and you have a list of vendors we, we that have, you we recommend. We do. Go to les.com. We've got members of the solar 
Trade Ally Network that um, we then also offer an incentive for customers who work with one of these installers. And uh, the customer also needs to review and sign an educational document to give them best practices. But the solar goes on the roof, the solar generates energy, that energy then offsets the need for that customer to purchase that energy from LES. So it's really valued at what the energy rate is. Right now it's about six cents a kilowatt hour is what LES charges our residential customers. It's about seven cents for our small business customers. Hmm. And so you can really sit down and do the math when you take it into account the cost of the solar system minus the federal tax credit, which is 26% right now, and the LES incentive, duck that out, and then look at the lifetime energy savings. You can do the math and figure out is this for me? And that's how net metering works. If there's any excess generation in a given month, we'll buy that back at about three and a half cents. If you wish that you could use some solar panels, you know, make a difference, but you live in an apartment or rent a building uh, for your business, what do you what do? Are your that's options? a good question because yeah. there's quite a few folks that are in that position, right? They're leasing Why? space or they're in apartments. So we have a community solar program where the customer actually buys a virtual panel from our solar array out on West Holtage Street. It's about a five megawatt solar array. It actually tracks the sun throughout the year. And you can buy the virtual panel and you actually get the energy credit on your bill each month for the amount of energy that is produced by that panel you purchase. You can purchase multiple panels. So you're helping in a different sort, sort of way. That's correct. You don't actually own the solar panels itself. You're just getting the output of it. And you don't have to worry about it being on your roof because we already have the system out there. But there are some that want to add solar. They want to go beyond. Right. If they're in a position to put it on their roof, they own the building, they have good exposure, then they might want to go with that. Then you've seen some businesses around that can do something about it. Yes. yes. And it automatically is a deduct on your electrical bill. Correct. That's right. It's an automatic deduct on the electrical bill. Dave Albers' eyes are lighting up because his building faces south. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a portion of it that does. It's just very interesting things to think about. And, and uh, while, yes, I, I know that a lot of people have these solar panels on the buildings, I think a lot of them also have, I've seen several places where they have them on the ground. Ground mm -hmm. mat? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, as long as it's not shaded. Thing, things have really changed a lot in the last decade. Oh, yeah. It's really, oh. really come a long way. Well, we sure appreciate you coming in and talking to us about this, Mark. Um, Mark is, is a brand new sponsor at Grow Lincoln, and we're going to have him in every month, and we're going to hit different aspects, your house, your business, and all the different innovations that are going on. All sorts of interesting things happening at Lincoln Electric System. After the break, business startups closing and businesses moving around. This city is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised here. I got it made And if I have my way, I'm gonna stay. Ever be it's Grow Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Podcasts are a great way to multitask while you're working out. We'll have a podcast of this show up afterwards. And this segment is possible today because of. University of Nebraska-Lincoln College of Business, Frank Financial Concepts, and Realtors Association of Lincoln. Near 14th and Yankee Hill, so this would be 14th Street going south. Acton Academy School is expanding at 8400 Cody Drive. 
which it did not think it would do for three more years. Um, their report, their uh, press release said their graduates will help America finally live up to her ideals, allowing freedom of religion and individual liberties to live on for future generations. That's so the that's patriotic prep school here. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Uh, hey, uh, Robin, we talked about this on uh, with with Jack, Jack and, and friends. Yeah, and because that, we talk about restaurants a lot on their show. We sure do, and, and you know, this is one that uh, well, I'm still perplexed as to why, where they're going there. But Domino's Pizza is going to 2801 Pine Lake because I saw uh, a, a building permit in the amount of 175 thousand dollars. That, or that, their space. that would be on the south side, in what right. I, I lovingly call the South Point Food Court, right. which is across the street where where um, Starbucks is and Red Robin and a IHOP Chipotle and, Chipotle and, and Pepper Jacks. Pepper Jack, yeah, the yogurt, yogurt, cherry on top yogurt. Yeah, there's all sorts of food in there. So apparently now they are going to get a Domino's. So... That's um, that's that's lurking dangerously close to Da Vinci's and looking right across the yeah. street in the eye of Valentino's. It is, yeah. and then beyond that, you not too far. You do have Old Chicago. We are pretty saturated with pizza at Twenty Seventh and Pine Lake Road. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. The one that is almost exclusively delivery is Domino's. Yeah. The other one. Although they've all had to pay. They've all had to. Yes. But I mean, the one that really, that was their original business model. Speaking of Jack and Friends, this is, we, we go on his show on Thursday mornings at 8 o'clock on KLIN. Lunch Madness. Yeah. Um, you might want to get on the KLIN website and look at this because it's really fun this year. Um, they're doing the Munch Madness contest, and you know, can your favorite restaurant make it into the final fork? And who is going to be the champion? Um, there are 64 restaurants on the KLIN website under Munch Madness, and they're all local. They all yeah. originated from Lincoln. And you even went to one, did you? I, never yeah, been? I even you went to one. I did boxcar barbecue because so I'd never been to that one. Yeah. And the, yeah, there were all several on the list I hadn't heard of, so now I've got to try them. Robin, you had, uh, and we talked about this on, on Jack's show too, about uh, a new British food. Chippies, a yeah. British food and beverage store, opened um, opens today at 14th and Pine Lake Road behind Amigos. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got Harry. The former, the former Burger King. Is that right? Pine Lake Road. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you said 14th and Highway 2. Uh, so Did I? I'm, I miss, no, I'm. you were right. I was wrong. I, I misspoke. Yeah, it's in the Strip Center behind yeah. Amigos. Kind of, kind of over near Southwest High School. Okay. Yeah, and so they have Harry Potter stuff, but a lot of British foods, too. So, like, if you need bangers and mash and... Lemon curd and Cadbury candies and some of the stuff that's so yeah they've been really promoting that. Um, hey, and not too far from from that area uh, on twenty seventh and finally, Wendy's. Wendy's. Yeah, we should have talked about that when we were yeah, talking we, about pizza. 
Yeah, they 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 are now open over by home. Oh, what's that called? Home, not home again. Home uh, goods. Home goods. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're over by the former Shopco on that side of the intersection. You had a. You said you went there and had a little little snafu with a. Uh... I couldn't get the app to work, mm. so I had to do like this really archaic, old-fashioned thing of driving in and rolling the window down in the cold wow. and talking to this thing. I mean, instead of just the app, which is so much warmer. <laughs> well, hey, Robin, let's jump to about 48th and Highway 248 and Old Cheney area. Uh, Sasquatch American baked goodness. Baked, baked goodness. Yes, in the former donut hole. I think uh, technically the address is 5600 South 48th. That's right. Yeah, this would be uh, 48th and Old Cheney, northeast corner. There's a little strip center there with kind of a clock in the corner. And so they are under the clock. And this is also where uh, Stoffers is located. In it's strip just hall. down the sidewalk from Stoffers, and they bake Stoffers pies in Sasquatch Bakery, um, and they also bake Honest Abe's cookies and breads in the bakery. It's more of a order ahead kind of thing. You can walk in there, and if, you know, you've got to go kind of earlier in the morning. If you go at 10 or 11, you're going to miss out. It's going to be pretty, pretty wiped out. But if you go earlier, you can buy off the rack, but they do a lot of orders. At that location, uh, you we also had uh, a uh, alert fan who sent us a picture uh, in the Edgewood area. Uh, her name was what Michelle Talmage Fisher, and uh, she shot us the picture of firehouse subs going in. Yeah, this was in kind of. That building was a blockbuster, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Was it blockbuster? No, or was it? Yeah, I know there was a video store. There's there. a couple buildings that kind of that are perpendicular to 56th Street as mm. you're going past it. This is the first one off of first one to the to the. East I think off it's of the first. Uh, I should know this. It, I think it's the first building, not yeah. the second building. Yep. Yeah. Um, according to the Grow Lincoln Archives, this project has been in the works since before June of 2020. And that was even a different building, but they've been wanting to go to Edgewood for a very long time. We're going to have to wrap it up, Robin. That's all for Grow Lincoln. Thanks a lot for listening. The podcast of the show will be up on the KLIN website shortly.